Welcome to the Trinity Reformed Church Podcast. Sermon by Matt Carpenter on May 9th, Lord's Day Service. Our reading this morning is the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. Now it came to pass, when Jesus finished commanding His twelve disciples, that He departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you that your word is sure and steadfast, that there is no shadow of turning. There is no variation with you. We pray that you would fill us with your Spirit. Cause us to receive and to be changed. Not the change that I can work through mere human words, but the change that only your Spirit can work eternally within the hearts of your chosen people. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. When we come to this story of John the Baptist, it may strike an uncomfortable resonance with us. We all at times are tempted to a form of unbelief. I don't mean we are all tempted to atheism or agnosticism, but we are tempted at times to doubt God's goodness, to trust something or someone because we don't believe that God will hear or come to our aid. This usually comes as a result of our having trusted before and we feel like our belief in God let us down, that God let us down. Down. He did not answer the way that I expected, so I, I don't know that I can trust Him. This is one of those quiet sins that we hold within ourselves because we know it's not polite in Christian company to question such things. So we keep it internally, and it festers, it grows, it multiplies like bacteria that's left untreated. And before we know it, if we're not careful, it has very negative results. When we look at John the Baptist, we see a man full of courage. He was the last Old Covenant prophet. One who, like Elijah, came out of the wilderness proclaiming God's kingdom was not only coming, God's kingdom was just over the horizon. That horizon broke when the Son of Man made His appearance. He was one of the first to hear 
of Jesus coming. And even when He was within His mother's womb, He leapt when He heard that Jesus would be born. He had the privilege of baptizing Jesus, of making known to everyone within earshot that this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was faithful in His task, boldly calling sinners to repent and calling out hypocrites for ignoring the commands of God. When He condemned Herod for killing his brother and then taking his brother's wife, Herod put him in prison, and there he remained. Do you think John prayed while in prison? What man of God would not pray in that situation? He sent two of his disciples to ask Jesus. Now, if, you're, if asking Jesus isn't prayer, what is? But we know what happened. Jesus didn't come. Herod would eventually put John to death. John had heard of the mighty works of Jesus, yet there is one work Jesus did not do, and that is free John from prison. Could he have freed John from prison? Who read the book of Acts? Several times, people who are imprisoned are freed, sometimes miraculously, sometimes through other means. He could have done it, is the point. And the last words we hear from this mighty man of God is, Are you the Christ? Or should we look for someone else? Do you hear any struggle in that question? The man who stood before the mightiest of the land, who had no open fear is now questioning if Jesus is the Christ. The one who from the womb was leaping in his mother when he heard that Jesus would be born now asked the question, are you the one or is it somebody else? Notice how Jesus responds though. Did he recoil with irritation? Did he condemn John's unbelief? No. He answered the disciples by bringing them back to the Word of God. You say, he didn't give them the Word of God. Well, actually he did. Jesus specifically mentions the works that fulfill the promises of Isaiah in Isaiah 35 verses 5 and 6, which say, The eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped, then shall the lame man leap as a heart and the tongue of the dumb sing, for the wilderness shall break shall waters break out and streams in the desert. John was battling unbelief. And Jesus directed him back to the eternal, unchanging Word of God and how Jesus was fulfilling that Word. 
And Jesus ended. His last words to these disciples of John were, Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Blessed are the unoffended. One of the greatest questions of philosophy from the, from the very beginning is the question of what is happiness? Jesus speaks to that question quite often, actually, in the book of Matthew. But he doesn't use the word happiness. He uses a term, blessed. In fact, in the Sermon on the Mount, the first several statements that he makes begin with that word, blessed are. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those that mourn. Blessed are the meek, and so on. That word blessed means happy. But this happiness is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It is a state of joyful rest and hope in God. Of knowing and trusting Him. Of being confident in His love towards you no matter what happens. To be happy, according to Jesus, is to trust in God so deeply that you can face any trial without your trust and confidence being shattered. That is happiness. And this was, a, this was common, okay? In, in ancient times, the ideas of, of temporary elation that come, like, you know, upcoming, this is the month of May, and my students have been telling me for a month already now, I'm so excited when school's going to be over and I get to miss your, or I get to not come to school anymore. Okay? Okay, well, that temporary elation will go away in time. Whether you're reading pagan philosophers, whether you're reading the biblical teachers, that's not the happiness that they're concerned with because those things come and go. True happiness, though, is when your confidence is founded upon Almighty God. So let me ask you this question. Are you ever offended because of Jesus? Perhaps it is the unpopular things that he says. Every age has their various forms of rebellion against the words of Christ. Or maybe it's the type of commitment that he calls for, which is something more than going to church and doing a few things on Sunday, and then you get to have the rest of your life. That, that's not it. He calls us to full-out, 100% discipleship. But other times, we are offended because we see what He is doing for other people and wonder why He is not doing it for me. Why does everyone else get their prayers answered? Why is the Lord granting them the desires of their heart? And here's where it's really hard. Why is He granting other people things that I have prayed for longer than they've prayed for. Why is He giving them things that I want? 
And it's a good desire. We're not talking about things just that we can waste on ourselves. We're talking about good and godly things that we often want. And we see other people get them. And we, we see their blessings. And then we pray. And it looks like we're getting further away from it. We want Him to bring deliverance now. We want an answer not just an answer. We want a yes right now. And it doesn't come. Put yourself in John's position. Sitting, isolated, in a cell. For being, for being faithful to God. Day after day, after day. And the one that you trust, for all that we know, never came to see him, even. Are you in that type of position? Have you been in that type of position? I can tell you this. He has not left you. He does not ignore us. He may not answer the way that we want, but He hears our words. He heard what John said and He responded. It was not the way that John was probably hoping for. But Jesus centered John on the Word. And that is what we also must be founded upon. Where do you go when you battle unbelief? Some people go to alcohol. Others to pornography. Some look to social media, drugs, new relationships, work. Anything to drive away the feeling that God doesn't hear me or doesn't care what I'm facing. As long as I can get my mind off of that, I think I will be okay. But it doesn't work. It's temporary. The greatest Netflix show ever will not take away the pain. It will not cause you to forget the trial. Except for a short period. But then Jesus, He doesn't stop there. We did not read the rest of the chapter, which I would strongly suggest you do. But after John's disciples leave in verse 7, verses 7 through 15, Jesus upholds John as one of the greatest prophets. He says that up until the time of John, there was none other greater born of women. Remember all the people that came before John. This same John who had just questioned, are you the Christ? Jesus said, there's not been one greater born of women. Jesus did not turn his back on John. I have this a little bit later as a point of application, but I'm going to jump to it now. He doesn't turn his back on you either when you have questions. He does not leave you ever. When you question, when you struggle, when you ask, He doesn't say, I'm sick of you. Never. 
He is a faithful, loving, gracious, and kind Father, and He welcomes you. David, in Psalm 22, opens the psalm by saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When do we hear that again? From the Son of God on the cross. Jesus quotes the psalmist. And He quotes the psalmist asking God, why? Jesus said that John was spoken of by the prophet Malachi, that he would prepare the way of the Lord. So instead of cutting John down, instead of saying, all right, well, actually, if we're going to start questioning other people, I want all of you to know John's not all he was cut out to be. John's got too many questions. He's not faithful enough. Just forget about him. No, he commends this man. Does that give you hope? Have you ever looked at yourself in the mirror and said, Oh boy, I don't like what I'm seeing. The Lord's not done yet. The Spirit's still working. So trust Him. But I don't want, I don't want to communicate that we should become comfortable with doubt. Okay? Because then in verses 16 through 24, Jesus condemns a group of people for unbelief. Excuse me. Three cities, Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. They saw Jesus' works, and they refused to repent and to believe. And Jesus said it will be better on the day of judgment for Sodom and Gomorrah than it will be for these cities. They were hardened. We here have a clear distinction between the questions of John and the obstinate unbelief of those three cities. John the Baptist was asking questions from a low point, from the isolation of a prison cell, from which he would not be delivered except to death. These cities saw the works of of Christ and still refused Him. Do you remember the people when Jesus healed the demoniac, the man who was afflicted by demons in the grave? Jesus went to that man and He healed that man. He cast the demons out. They went into the swine. The swine went down into the water. And instead of giving glory and praise to God, what did the people of that city say? Would you please leave? That's hard-heartedness. You've just delivered this man who is as crazy as anyone, any of us have ever seen. And the town, instead of giving glory to God, they say, get out. There is a difference between John and these cities. And and that's why Matthew, I believe, pits these two against one another. He shows us what what hard-hearted unbelief is and what questioning 
faith, faith that is walk, that is striving to walk in submission to God, but is battling. He shows us that. It's the difference between faith encountering opposition and unbelief sheltered behind a thick glass of pride. Unbelief behind the thick glass of pride yields damnation. We are all tempted to the sin of unbelief. Battling it is not the problem. Feeling even at times like you're losing is not the problem. The problem is when you are proud and satisfied with unbelief. When you openly change your allegiance from Christ to anyone or anything else, the problem is identifying yourself by your sin rather than by your Savior. That is when you are, li are, are living like those cities that Jesus condemns. There are always counterfeit saviors beckoning for our allegiance. And your allegiance is what is in mind here. John did not say, Herod, I take it all back. Jesus was not, he's not really the Messiah. I was wrong. You have your brother's wife. It's all right. Get me out of this cell. That deliverance would have only been temporary. But he didn't. John was still faithful. We must remember God's words, as Jesus reminded John. At times it may feel like Jesus has left you. Like you pray, but he's not coming. You want him to give you deliverance. But it seems like he's just forgotten that he doesn't hear. John the Baptist knew that feeling. But your feelings don't have control over your life. So don't give them control of your life. Don't let your feelings drive what is true. And that's why this chapter ends in one of the most wonderful passages in all of the Gospels, verse 28. After pronouncing the condemnation to those cities, Jesus says, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Are you battling the burden of unbelief? The answer is come to Jesus. In Him, and in Him only, will you find rest. 
This does not mean your problems are going to vanish. But Jesus will bear your burdens. You take His yoke that is easy and he, you give Him your burden. And He bears it. He takes it. He doesn't promise to walk you around the fire or to take you over the fire. But He promises, as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, the Lord will deliver us when they were speaking to King Nebuchadnezzar and they could see the flames. That would mean death. The Lord will deliver us, but if not, we will still not bow down. That is happiness. That is unshakable, joyful rest. And that is given to every saint of God. Every person. You can say, I've never believed, actually. My, my faith, I don't have faith. Guess what? The invitation's to you as well. If you come to Jesus, He says, welcome. Open arms. Take His yoke. Give Him yours. Whether He heals you or whether He allows the trial to remain, He will not forsake you. Whether... He calms the storm or allows it to continue. Be assured, He will guide you through any number of storms in your life safely. And He will guide you one day into the heavenly kingdom, into the new Jerusalem. And your heavenly Father will on that day welcome you and say the same thing to you that was said to John the Baptist when he died. Well done, good and faithful servant. Welcome to the joy of your Master. Don't be offended at Christ, but come to Him and receive His rest. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank You for Your promises given us through Christ Jesus. May we receive the rest that He promises. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to find out more, check out our website at trinityreformedkirk.com. That's trinityreformedkirk.com.